The next hour will inform you on how cybersecurity is one of the most significant threats to our national security, as well as the battle that cybersecurity experts are undergoing every day on your behalf to protect you, your families, and your data. Welcome to Task Force 7 Radio with your host, the president and CEO of Task Force 7 Radio and Task Force 7 Technologies, George Reedus. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode number 213 of Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. I'm Andy Bonello, pinch hitting for George Reedus. I want to emphasize that all opinions expressed on the show are my own, that of my president and past employers. I'll never disclose any sensitive intelligence that I've been privileged to as a result of my current employment, and I'll never knowingly disclose any classified information related to any security clearances I presently hold or have held in the past with the United States government. And nothing I say during the show should be construed as legal or financial advice. Well, folks, tonight we got vulnerability management on the brain, and I've been hearing tons of uh, large-scale vulnerabilities that need to be patched over the years, right? It's just constantly evolving this space. So you know, it started out as a core security tool 20 plus years ago. It's evolved into a compliance, you know, evolved into a compliance tool that needed by organizations that check the box to prove their security compliance. But now it, it's a must have program that really needs to be integrated into all of corporate best practice, security practices and processes. Like you just can't live without it, but you got to do it right. Right. And we got to do it right. And, you know, and, and some folks just are not doing that. Right. And so, I'm excited to have the Vice President of Market Insights at Tenable, Gavin Millard, on the show tonight to walk us through the, you know, the history of vulnerability management, what's going on in the future, and, and give his perspective. Gavin Millard is a trained ethical hacker who works with global enterprises to address their cybersecurity challenges. With a deep understanding of the paths attackers take, he helps bring these companies to a trusted state of cyber hygiene. His current position as Vice President of Market Insights at Tenable Gavin is involved with the security strategy and predicting the attack paths of the future. It's my pleasure to introduce Vice President of Market Insights at Tenable, Mr. Gavin Millard. Gavin, welcome to Task Force 7 Radio, buddy. Hey, Andy. How you doing, my friend? I'm great, man. How was everything across the pond today? Uh, cold and noisy, uh, hence why I'm in my wife's office, because uh, the builders are doing stuff in the house. But, uh, but as, per, as per usually in England, yeah, cold and miserable. How about you? How's it over where you are? Everything's good, brother. We're all good over here, man. I appreciate you taking the time uh, to hang out with us tonight. Um, look, I, I love Tenable, right? I spent a lot of time with you guys. Um, you know, the the vulnerability management space has just changed so much over the over the last couple of decades, and you know, it's really front and center. Uh, but I'd love to, you know, before we dive into the the, the market and what you're seeing and where you know Tenable's going, man. I, uh, you have a fascinating background. I love for the audiences to kind of hear your your story, man. You, w- w- tell us a little bit about your journey. Yeah, sure, no problem. So uh, I've been in the industry for twenty plus years. Uh, a lot, of, a lot of your, a lot of the, your guests are, always seem to be like twenty or twenty five years. I, I'm, I'm the same. I know it's hard to believe, but um, uh, way back when I was in uh, development, IT admin, and uh, we got a shiny new internet connection like two meg can you imagine such a thing and uh the the uh, the uh, ceo of the company at the time said gav we got this internet connection it's connected to the dirty internet can you secure it for us and um so i started looking around and like figuring out how to secure the you know secure uh the uh the pipe and uh got involved with like checkpoint you know iss um yeah start playing around with nessus 
um, spend a lot, there's way too much time on like Asta La Vista and uh, forums like that. If you can remember, you know, Sub7 and Backer Office and all those rather excellent uh, piece of malware that um, you could eject people CD-ROMs from. Um, and then uh, did that uh, for a while, went into like pen testing um, after I'd cut my teeth on uh, on the defense side. That's super interesting, you know, like breaking into stuff for, for fun and profit. Uh, and, um, and then after a while, um, I moved to the dark side of, of Vendorland. And, uh, you know, it was like a lot of, there was a lot of up and coming uh, vendors at the time and for some really weird reason i was i was, I, I was really into um file integrity and uh, like this whole idea of you know like it was incident response before incident response was a thing you know really understanding what had changed on an endpoint if you like if someone broke into something the first thing you would want to know is like what have they done on there and uh, and so i went and worked at, at tripwire for um for probably about eight or about eight years i think and i uh, ran uh, their you know their international se team um did a ton of travel like especially like on the you know the the far east and uh, australia and like really interesting cool place like that's good to do on someone, someone else's dollar um and that's, uh, always, the be- really, that's like, always the best way to travel man yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You always go to the best restaurants, yeah. right? When you're not playing. Yeah. And, uh, and, and then, um, you know, uh, we acquired N Circle, like VM, like really interesting. And, uh, like, started to get interested in a lot more interested in VM, although I had done quite a bit previous. And then uh, Tenable came up and uh, met Ron, the CEO uh, at the time, uh, Ron Gula, legend, the, you know, Ron, uh, the legend. And uh, he said, hey, why don't you come over and join us at Tenable? Um, he, he, he'd had, uh, he got yeah, Jack there, yeah, Jack Daniel, got Space Rogue, uh, Chris, um, he'd got um, Paul Astorian and uh, a couple of others. And he said, hey, c- come join this uh, really interesting Motley crew that I've got uh, coming together <laughs> and, uh, and help shape where VM's going. So I, I made that move about, uh, about eight and a half years ago. So there's about 160 people at the time. It's now like more than 10 times that. Yeah, I know the company's had like great, great trajectory over the last few years, and it's been cool to see. So, and I'd, I'd love to get your take on <clears throat> vulnerability management as a program versus vulnerability management as a tool. Like, I'd love to just kind of get your perspective. Like, you know, as, a, yeah. as an executive, it's always like we're running a vulnerability management program. But like, you know, the technologist side is like, oh, we're using vulnerability management as a tool. Like, I'd love to get your take on that, like, kind of dichotomy. Yeah, that's a really tough question to to answer in a few yeah in a few minutes. I think like to me, I, I kind of break it down into the persona and the use case of you know what someone's using the tool for. So like way back when, as I said, uh, you know I was running Nessus, right? Nessus was awesome, you know, back in like the late nineties, and uh, yeah, it suddenly gave you this knowledge of like you know, this dark art, right, really, of being able to, like, actively go and scan an environment and say, oh, well, you've got these 15 massive vulnerabilities that I could take advantage of. And, uh, you know, that's, you know, pen testing and red teaming, you know, that's the one side of things. That's, like, what I like to call, like, scan when you can, you know, like, purposefully going in and really testing the defences of uh, of an organisation, really testing how well they've operationalised the idea of, of addressing you know, vulnerabilities whereas you know like vulnerability management you're really actively using vulnerability management on the operational uh, side is all about you know, you know understanding 
the entire attack surface or every attack surface is, is really we should say nowadays and uh, being able to you know, make sure that you've got yeah, all of that information and then really prioritize the vulnerabilities that need to be addressed. Uh, so the red team and the you know, pen testers can't find those vulnerabilities. More importantly, the attackers can't leverage those vulnerabilities uh, to break in. So, you know, quite simply, you know, I see, you know, like VA, you know, as a point in time, go in, audit, you know, here's your 5,000 findings. You know, this is the job that you failed to do uh, at operationalizing VM. And obviously VM is all about that operationalization of it, making sure that you truly understand and manage all of these like millions of vulnerabilities uh, that, that people are dealing with. Yeah, and the prioritization and like how do we, you know, actually get this to these tools deployed and in, in, and on these systems that don't have anything, and then you know, so it's constantly evolving, and, and you know, the other thing that's evolving right is the the threat landscape. You know, how has uh, vulnerability management kind of have to change and adapt to you know just what the attackers are doing? Yeah, so like. In reality, like I think that the like the 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 methods, the TTPs, the the methods that the attackers use haven't really changed that much, right? Like the 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 assets that we're protecting, the infrastructures that we're protecting have obviously changed dramatically. You know, we've all gone cloudy. Um, you know, we're all you know um, IoT and all the you know and OT, but the actual approach hasn't really changed that much if you actually look at like i can remember doing oss tmm many 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 years ago like the open source security testing methodology for like how to break into infrastructures and like yeah that's probably like version two right you know the, you know, the way that people actively attack stuff uh, hasn't changed uh, very much so like for me vulnerability management like how it's had to change over time is take a more threat-centric approach to uh, the vulnerabilities it discovers right because you know what has changed is the amount of vulnerabilities out there right you look at like last year there was like plus 20,000 vulnerabilities disclosed everyone wants to have a cve you know, to their name you know, like part of the glory nowadays is having a, a cve uh, or multiple cves you know i found this zero day but um you know like not all of those vulnerabilities are going to be leveraged Right. So, you know, you really have to take a threat centric approach to understanding uh, oh, you know, that you know, here's a million findings. Do I care about a million findings? No, I don't. I really care about these five things. And so VM has had to change dramatically in that way. Right. You know, there's more and more assets. There's more and more vulnerabilities. So you know, VM's had to adapt by saying, you know, rather than giving you a 300 page report that no one's ever going to read, you know, it's the three vulnerabilities and findings that you need to address today. I love it, right? It's such an interesting conversation because you're so right. I mean, as we've been measuring this stuff for years, the attackers using the same things, the, the controls really are the same that we need to implement. It's just a high lack of hygiene and the expansive asset landscape that continues to evolve. Um, well, hey, hey man, we got to take another, we got to take a short break, but uh, we'll get right back to it. I, I got so many more questions for you. Hey, if you're a social media junkie, don't forget to follow us on TF7 Radio, your favorite social media platform. Follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram, searching at TF7 Radio to be connected to the extended TF7 family on your favorite social media platform. For inquiries regarding sponsoring the show or suggestions for topics or guests, please email George directly at george.redis at tf7radio.com. That's george.redis at tf7. That's the number seven, folks, radio.com. We're going to pause for some quick messages from our sponsors, and we'll be right back with the Vice President of Market 
Insights at Tenable, Mr. Gavin Millard. So whatever you do, don't go away. You're listening to Tax Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. As CISOs manage known malware attacks, they also contend with the unknown unknowns. With 24-7 hacker innovation, where do CISOs place their next security investment bet? Find the answer with Signet. With forums and public and private partnership dinners in Toronto, London, Singapore, Tokyo, and across the U.S., Signet is a mission-focused, purpose-driven global community advancing the next generation of cybersecurity solutions. As an entrepreneurial ecosystem super connector, Signet brings innovators, top cybersecurity professionals, solution providers, investors, and government executives into a collaborative alliance. Join Signet's global community to empower your organization and the industry to defeat hackers with cybersecurity's next generation of innovation. Learn more at security-innovation.org or Google Signet, S-I-N-E-T. In today's interconnected world, digital transformation is taking us on a journey towards exciting new ways to work, live, and communicate. In business, staying out in front of the competition means pushing the boundaries of the status quo and exploring the possibilities of the future. However, pushing forward into this fast-changing digital landscape brings a new level of uncertainty and risk that must be measured, understood, and managed. By delivering state-of-the-art cyber risk analytics, X-Analytics is setting the standard to bring business clarity to the complex cyber threats organizations face each and every day. When it comes to understanding your financial exposure to cyber risk, trust what the global cyber insurance industry and Fortune 500 companies trust. Trust X-Analytics to guide you through the uncertainty into cyber risk clarity. For more information about X-Analytics, visit our website today at x-analytics.com. That's x-analytics.com. X-Analytics, setting the standard in the enterprise cyber risk management. Listening to Task Force 7 Radio with George Redis. If you'd like to find out more about our program, please visit the website at taskforce7radio.com. Again, that's Task Force 7 with the number 7, radio.com. Now, back to this week's show. Here again is your host, George Redis. Welcome back to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. We're back with Vice President of Market Insights at Tenable, Gavin Millar. All right, man. I'm like fascinated with this the vulnerability management space, and you know we've got so much going on. Uh, you know, just a ton of big vulnerabilities that are out there. But the one threat vector that's just continuously hitting us right is ransomware. And yep. uh, I'd love to just get your take on you know how ransomware is impacting you know. Um, the adoption of vulnerability management as was it's, it's just so prevalent in the news, right? You can't, you know, every day I'm waking up, I'm getting someone on Twitter being like, shut off all your computers, right? <laughs> like it's happening everywhere. Like, so what, I'd love to just get your take on the impact, man. What's, what are you seeing? Yeah. So uh, ransomware is really interesting to me. I, like I see ransomware as simply the monetization of poor cyber hygiene, right? If you look at the tools and techniques that the ransomware authors use, you know, they, you're behind every ransomware attack are known flaws, right? Now, you know, it could be like a log4j vulnerability. It could be like a Microsoft OLE vulnerability on the endpoint. You know, it could be, 
you know, uh, a flaw within Active Directory that gives them a privilege to um, uh, to elevate and to laterally move. But you know, the flaws are generally known. Uh, the vulnerabilities are generally known. And the ransomware authors are, are taking advantage of them. Yeah, it's, it's really, really easy for them. As I said, monetization of poor cyber hygiene. It's, uh, it's like the instant payout for not patching. Like you look back, you know, 10, 15, or maybe 15 years ago, you know, the big vulns like the, um, you know, like the IIS um, uh, directory traversal. I don't know if you remember that one, Andy, but it was like the code red, uh, the one that was using code red. And um, like virtually every single IIS server out there had this vulnerability. Like people took months and months and months to find and patch it, but nothing really happened. Right, you know, like there's a few web takedowns. There was like the uh, I can't remember the um, those fluffy bunny or whatever he was called who kept doing uh, taking you know like swapping websites for you know for comedy pages. But you know there was no real monetization. There was no real threat and downtime associated with it. And then you know, ransomware comes along and like suddenly you know suddenly cyber criminals went well. This is a really easy way of making money. You know we know that organizations can't find and patch the stuff that we can leverage. Uh, so let's go do that. And it's been massively lucrative, lucrative for them. You know, they've made billions of dollars from doing it. And it's going to continue, um, I think, until you know, organizations take a very threat-centric approach to addressing those flaws that attackers are going to leverage. You know, like these are the you know, like look at the Caesar known exploitable list, right? You know, like let's focus on those first, or you know, let's focus on the ones that you know a vendor like Tenable tells us are going to be you're going to be uh, targeted by attackers, and do those first rather than all the other stuff that that's out there. You know, have have they? You know, it's interesting. That, yeah, what you're saying, man, because I I, uh, I love the you know the correlation there between like you know prioritization based on I'm scared <laughs> versus reality, right? So I, uh, you know, I think that point, so that's fascinating. So, so then how do we move forward in the context of um, changing how we categorize and score? Yeah, it's like you know, CVSS sucks prioritization, right? It's a really good categorization method. Yeah, you, know, you look at the base and temporal metrics and the environmental metrics within CVSS, and it, it gives you a good indicator, right? It says, you know, this is a vulnerability that is, um, you know, remote code execution that doesn't need any user interaction. That's, um, you know, that there's an exploit known for it, but in reality, it it doesn't take threat into consideration. It's just the categorization of of a flaw. You know, you look at in reality, nowadays, ransomware authors, their favorite vulnerabilities aren't RCEs, you know, aren't remote code execution vulnerabilities, they're user interaction vulnerabilities, they're endpoint vulnerabilities. You know, like uh, Adobe Flash, um, uh, God rest its soul, thank goodness, uh, Adobe Flash was like the most popular target for quite a long time for ransomware because it was ubiquitous, it was vulnerable as anything, and, um, and people weren't patching it. And so, you know, like ransomware authors, um, you know, are targeting these vulnerabilities. So, like when it comes to C when it comes to scoring vulnerabilities, like using CVSS is just gonna end in disaster, right? For prioritization, there was 
There was like 20 plus thousand vulnerabilities last year. 56% of them were high or critical. Good luck with that on any infrastructure that's got more than like three systems. And so, you know, what, what you need to do is, again, take like a threat and risk centric approach to really understanding those flaws that the attacker is going to leverage and say, blow it, I don't care about, you know, the 56% of vulnerabilities that are high or critical according to CVSS. What I care about is the 3% or the 2% of vulnerabilities that will actually be leveraged in any kind of attack, be it ransomware or a targeted attack. And then let's just focus on those things. Then at some point, uh, if we do get through that list, which would be lovely, you know, at some point, then let's, let's start chopping away and getting at the uh, more difficult to exploit vulnerabilities, the ones that aren't being leveraged in exploit kits that aren't being leveraged through automated means and, and address those. Yeah, it, it's it's fascinating. I mean, this is this conversation we've been having for such a long time, right? But what where I think the changes need to happen is in just the business approach. So, you know, ransomware just in general is like, right, has just changed the business landscape, right? It's changed the cyber insurance industry for sure. Um, yeah. it's got the attention of boardrooms and CEOs and everyone's now asking questions around like, what do we need to do? So how has, you know, just vulnerability in general, um, and this conversation, you know, changed the way businesses approach security today? Yeah. Uh, unfortunately quite badly, right. Where, um, people have taken vulnerability management from a compliance perspective so like you mentioned like cyber insurance you know compliance really plays into that um and they said oh you know how well you know what's your slas for addressing um you know critical or high vulnerabilities like what's that matter for you know for cyber insurance that, that's totally relevant when you know like as i said nobody's going to be leveraging those vulnerabilities so um yeah like i think over time what um, you know, cyber insurers, and I'm talking cyber insurers all the time about, about this type of stuff, is you, you have to move away from a compliance approach to, uh, to vulnerability management. And, and again, you know, really focus on those few vulnerabilities that are, that are going to be leveraged. So like, like this, look, forget who I work for and take a, a broader like market approach to this and say, well, let's rather than measuring an organization on how effectively, you know, how quickly they address critical and high vulnerabilities, let's just say, how quickly do you address the season known exploitable vulnerabilities? Like that's a pretty decent updated list. One could argue like some vulnerabilities should not be on there. You know, some might, you know, should be on there. But in reality, it's a pretty decent list of vulnerabilities. So, you know, blow seven and above away, like PCI, thank you very much for putting that in. You know, like get rid of that seven and above and just focus on on those on those few first. Like until we take that approach to vulnerability management, VM is always going to be seen as this compliance thing. But like to me, if there's like if there's no known flaws that an attacker can leverage, right? And there's no you know, there's no known um, misconfiguration in things like Active Directory that they can use to get privilege, then there's no breach to stop in the first place, right? You know, there's no need to uh, to worry so much about like ransomware and stuff if you've actually got your, you know, got your game on and uh, you're addressing these things that, that, that are going to be focused on. It's interesting, right? Because I, I talk about this space a little bit in the context of like my old law enforcement days, you know, like... It's almost like a community policing model where like 
you know, if no one's breaking into houses, you know, can you leave your window open a little bit longer than, in the, you know, like if you're not worried about it, if no one's actually broken into a house in your neighborhood in 50 years, right? It's it, and there's no one driving around the streets casing the house. Like, are we okay to leave it unlocked for a little bit? Right? Or are we just overly paranoid about things, what we think we need to focus on and not focus on the other things? Because there is someone that broke, did something else, you know, in the backyard, you know, a week ago, and we're not even thinking about that, right? So, I think it's a well, fascinating it, concept. It, exactly. It, it, the, the most frustrating thing is, you know, when it comes to vulnerability, is that you know people focus on like the model of the lock that you use on your front door and say this is a Yale lock and you can use a bump key and like you know there's like you know one in like uh, a million people that could hack this lock within within thirty seconds. Like yeah, thanks for telling me that. But have you not taken a step back and seen that all of my windows are open anyway? If a criminal was going to come, they wouldn't even bother using a bump key. They would just simply step through one of my low windows and uh, and come in and break into stuff. Exactly. So so speaking of like a whole new set of windows, you know, multi-cloud, how has VM now had to change in the new, you know, multi-cloud environment? Yeah, like um, a lot. Right. Yeah. Yeah. When you asked me earlier, like, how's VM changed? Like, when it comes to the actual attack surface, you know, how you understand and address vulnerability in cloud has had to change a lot. You know, what worked at 60 mile an hour doesn't work at 200 mile an hour. So, um, you know, first off, you know, really how to understand what that attack surface looks like. It's not about, yeah, you know, it's not about scanning, where you don't want to scan a cloud environment. It's a very, you know, it's a very inefficient method when you can simply say, hey, AWS, tell me all of my assets, you know, all of the EC2 instances that are deployed, you know, all the uh, you know, serverless that's out there, et cetera, et cetera. So like, first off, like understanding what that looks like is, is, you know, is, is, is changed dramatically. You know, it's like more API, API driven. Then it's also about how do you actually remediate and address these flaws? Well, you're going and connecting into a container to, uh, you know, to remediate vulnerabilities is daft. Well, first off, that means you'd actually have to be able to connect into it uh, and it would introduce a risk uh, from that anyway and a deviance from the, uh, from the build. So you know, what we're seeing now really is you know, integrating into the CICD pipeline, you know, being able to understand you know, the the uh, containers that are being built, the uh, the platforms that are being built, and ensuring that they are not being released with these vulnerabilities that are going to be easily exploited. But then also like taking an even further step back and, and looking at the infrastructure as code itself, like how you know, yeah how that yeah how that environment is going to be spun up within fifteen minutes, and say hang on a second, right? Yeah, you know, this you know, this uh, you know, this piece you know, this IAC snippet that you have here, this infrastructure as code that you have here, you got an S3 bucket that's gonna, you know, that's gonna enable anonymous download is a really simple example. You know, that's against company policy and it also exposes us to loads of risk. So you know, why don't we assess that and then also maybe even put a merge request back into that uh, into that build process and say like why don't you add this into your IAC, your, you know, your code instead? And then that, that problem goes away. So you know, discover quickly through APIs, but also don't try and remediate the cloud, remediate the code. Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting because I think, you know, when this conversation is, is so fun to have, but you go to the technical level and, and down into the teams. And then when you have this conversation, you got to take it as a CISO or ever up into the boardroom, completely yeah. different dynamic. 
Um, what advice would you give CISOs in today's you know, room um, to help them become more successful in telling their story around the set of the problem? <clears throat> yeah, so uh, a vendor telling a CISO what to do, just imagine that, Andy. I mean... Um, <laughs> never happened. In the history of sales, that's never happened. It's first for it's first yeah. right here. Right? Never happened. So, like, I'm very fortunate in my role. I, I, I talk to a lot of CISOs, right? And um, you know, uh, they're all you know, really interesting. Some of them may not be up on the latest technology, right? You know, they, they, they might not know what IAC is because that's not in their wheelhouse. Like, you know, a good CISO, as you very well know, because you're a very good CISO, is all about communication and strategy, right? And so, like, build, you know, help, you know, supporting uh, CISOs with clear, concise insights on you know, where they should focus their their precious resources. I think is a far more important uh, cause than trying to tell a CISO you know how they defend their own infrastructure. Right. So you know I work with a lot of CISOs on you know, what metrics really matter from a you know from a uh, from a VM program perspective you know like you know, don't measure like the as i said like the SLA for seven and above because you'll you'll never solve that like talk about things like how good are you assessing right you know like understanding what the infrastructure looks like first off is super super important because you don't know what you don't know so you know like let's measure the maturity of your assessment program you know how good are you remediating based on risk and threat rather than CVSS you know is it a day a week or a month and are you actually making the right decisions um, on the vulnerabilities that you do remediate? Like, what's your effectiveness at remediation? So, like, anyone can say that I can remediate 100% of vulnerabilities, but A, how long does it take you? And B, you know, how far across the infrastructure are you doing so? So, like, like for a CISO, uh, when it comes to, like, operationalizing VM, I always go back to, you know, what metrics do I clearly and concisely want to communicate to the organization to show that I am demonstrating that I've got this, that I understand the infrastructure, I understand the weaknesses, the flaws that an attacker is going to uh, go after, and that I can uh, operationalize a program to be able to address them in a timely manner. Yeah, and it, it applies to our business, right? Like, it's amazing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's very cool. Hey, we're going to take another short break to hear from our sponsors. But don't go away, folks. We'll be right back with more from Vice President of Market Insights at Tenable, Gavin Millard. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. As CISOs manage known malware attacks, they also contend with the unknown unknowns. With 24-7 Hacker Innovation, where do CISOs place their next security investment bet? Find the answer with Signet. With forums and public and private partnership dinners in Toronto, London, Singapore, Tokyo, and across the U.S., Signet is a mission-focused, purpose-driven global community, advancing the next generation of cybersecurity solutions. As an entrepreneurial ecosystem super connector, Signet brings innovators, top cybersecurity professionals, solution providers, investors, and government executives into a collaborative alliance. Join Signet's global community to empower your organization and the industry to defeat hackers with cybersecurity's next generation of innovation. Learn more at security-innovation.org or Google Signet, S-I-N-E-T. In today's interconnected world, digital transformation is taking us on a journey towards exciting new ways to work, live, and communicate. 
in business, staying out in front of the competition means pushing the boundaries of the status quo and exploring the possibilities of the future. However, pushing forward into this fast-changing digital landscape brings a new level of uncertainty and risk that must be measured, understood, and managed. By delivering state-of-the-art cyber risk analytics, X-Analytics is setting the standard to bring business clarity to the complex cyber threats organizations face each and every day. When it comes to understanding your financial exposure to cyber risk, trust what the global cyber insurance industry and Fortune 500 companies trust. Trust X-Analytics to guide you through the uncertainty into cyber risk clarity. For more information about X-Analytics, visit our website today at x-analytics.com. That's x-analytics.com. X-Analytics, setting the standard in the enterprise cyber risk management. listening to Task Force 7 Radio with George Redis. If you'd like to find out more about our program, please visit the website at taskforce7radio.com. Again, that's taskforce7 with the number 7, radio.com. Now, back to this week's show. Here again is your host, George Redis. Welcome back to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. We're back with Vice President of Market Insights at Tenable, Gavin Millard. All right, man. Like, look, I, I've got friends in Hollywood and and I got to tell you, the producer friends of mine, they're like, we can't keep up with the news cycle when we're going to write for TV shows when it comes to cyber. Like, it's just not possible. There's too much, right? You, got, you know, Log4J, you got the old Harpley, like throw it out there. Ransomware is everywhere, man. Like it is nonstop in the news, in your face all the time. And I got to get your take on how it's just impacting the industry. Yeah. So like the, I think you look at the first Hollywood or headline form that came out, um, your Heartbleed in 2014, uh, CVE 2014-0160, I think off the top of my head, because, you know, kind of, yeah, I spent so much time looking at the damn thing. And, um, you know, like it was such a massive impact in the news. I, I, I can remember, I literally had my mum text me and said, Gavin, I've heard of this heart bleed thing and me and dad affected by it and my mum's not the queen she's just english and um yeah like it was everywhere right and it was one of these like huge things that suddenly you know the public realized that things were vulnerable right you know that these you know the things that you and i have known for a long time and your listeners know for a long time that that things are vulnerable when attackers do actively take advantage of these vulnerabilities so that heart bleed was a massive um, positive net positive impact to you know, vulnerability management overall like it drove adoption drove interest and things like that and uh, you know then there's some really big vulnerabilities came out like shell shock i don't know if you remember that one but again yeah massively ubiquitous uh, service uh, sorry massively ubiquitous library that you know was everywhere you know i can remember i actually wrote a proof of concept uh, when uh, shell shock was I, I was at brucon in uh, belgium uh, and uh, I was sitting in a bar because it's Brucon, like drinking beer. <laughs> and, I, and I was, uh, I, I built a proof of concept for using um, DHCP to serve back using, I think it was the 164 flag off the top of my head. It was a long time ago um, to, uh, to serve back like shell shock code and basically pop any system that connected to my rogue DHCP server. So like 
big, bad vulnerabilities that you could take advantage of really easily. And, uh, and it was it was bad. You know, so like you know, a few vulnerabilities like really were worthy of the theme tune, the logo, you know, the catchy name, all that type of stuff. And then, you know, bad lock came along. You know, we called it sad lock because it wasn't really that bad. You know, there was, uh, you know, quite a few of these uh, vulnerabilities that suddenly, yeah, it became more of like a marketing exercise of like, I found a CVE. Now I've got to co- come up with a cool name, a catchy name and a, and a, and a wicked, wicked uh, 8-bit logo and people will take it seriously. But as I said, like not many vulnerabilities are being targeted by attackers. So, you know, I think it then drove this knee-jerk reaction where you, know, you saw in the news, if a vulnerability hit the news, it's got to be bad because it's hit the news. Right. Like, and it caused like no end of problems for CISOs and, uh, and, uh, and practitioners out there where it's like, have we patched, you know, like this latest, you know, like, a, you know, scruffy mole vulnerability or something. I just made that up. That'd be a good one. And, um, uh, and it's like, well, no, you know, of course we haven't because no one's going to take advantage of it. It's like it affects like this one, you know, like 15 year old operating system that no one, no one uses. But yeah, unfortunately, it drove a lot of knee jerk reaction. And, uh, and so, like, for me, I think, like, the headline vulnerabilities are really good for awareness, right? I think they're really good uh, for, like, the general public to understand that things are vulnerable and they will be taken advantage of. Where, where it really frustrates me, and I, and I think, like, the, the broad community as a whole, is when, like, these logos are assigned to things that no one should really give a, a monkeys about, that no one's ever going to take advantage of. Now, there have been some, you know, like, Log4J, that log four shell definitely worthy of a logo like let's make that a really good theme tune because you know that is a big bad vulnerability like you know your print nightmare again a really big bad you know vulnerability but all the rest you know like i think we should have like a hooded quorum of people that make the decision on whether you know like whether they uh, you know whether they should have a logo or not because uh, you know otherwise you know we're going to keep on seeing these knee-jerk reactions like to me like for a CISO, like, and again, a vendor giving a CISO advice, imagine that, but like, you know, like the answer to any logo vulnerability should be, well, I've assessed all my environment. I know exactly where these weaknesses are. My time to address a critical vulnerability that's being actively exploited is, you know, is on average 2.5 days. This doesn't fall into that camp, so we're not going to address it. Now, you, know, you have to trust me that I know that these vulnerabilities aren't bad, and uh, let me focus on you know the vulnerabilities that are. Yeah, it's an interesting one, right? Because then then the CEOs of you know start getting their CEO friends, and everyone's like, "Hey, what are you guys doing about it?" Right? And it's always a fascinating conversation, like when you get those calls. So and I, my I, mom, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, so <clears throat> look as we as we look to finish up the show, right? I'm always I'm always interested in a couple things. One is, what advice would you give? up and coming practitioners in this space um, as they're embarking on a new journey in their, in their career, um, getting into the field. Uh, just what, what are your top two, three things that you'd like to share? Yeah. So like um, it's a long time ago since I was, uh, I, I was up and coming, uh, you know, uh, uh, 20 plus years, but like for me, like the, the best thing that's paid dividends like just time and time and time again is just having such a good base knowledge on you know core concepts so like ip dns is always dns as we know 
uh, Andy, you know, DNS, you know, like understanding like Linux and, uh, you know, and, and being able to code, I think is really, really important. And then there is just a plethora of free resources out there. You don't have to go on these you know, $5,000 training courses. They are good to get a certificate to say that you've done it. But in reality, there's just so much data out there nowadays. You know, get, in, get on Twitter, you know, follow the right people, you know, get a, you know, a newsfeed aggregator and just be looking at like this influx of great data uh, that's coming in. And then, you know, just you know, start looking for, um, you know, IR or, you know, like, yeah, yeah entry-level jobs that will propel you. And it's really interesting when you look at, I, you know, I spend a lot of time on like a NetSec and things like that on, uh, on Reddit. And some people like post their salaries like has, as they increase. Like, yeah, you're going to get a, a terrible, you know, 50000 a year, uh, you know, $50,000 a year job um, for a year. And then, you know, then, you know, if you're if you're really like genuinely curious about the field that you're in, if you're really pushing and have a thirst for knowledge and like carry on like working hard, then, you know, that just keeps on going up and up. So like the is the perfect time to get into cyber um, and just, you know, know your basics. Love it, man. All right. Well, so let's uh, without giving up, you know, the secret sauce, you know, for the company. Uh, where do you see VM, you know, going over the next couple of years? Yeah, so it's really interesting. Like to me, um, I, 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 I wrote a doomsday list of, you know, what could cause problems for VM and, like, and how we could address it. And I won't share it because, uh, you know, stock price might go down. But, um, you know, like to me, the, you know, the attack surface, you know, is, is just blowing up. Right. Yeah. How do we truly understand the attack surface? And more importantly, how do we understand the areas that we don't see? And like scanning is, you know, is, you know, is, is on its last legs. Right. You know, like just going actively sweeping across an infrastructure because there are no infrastructures anymore. So by like, integrating the API, integrating you know, into all these uh, all these third party repositories of asset information first off so like your really your like um you know your your asset your asset inventory is key and like how we can really integrate into things like cloud is super important prioritization so like i see like three lenses prioritization you know like focusing on that threat um and really having the data science to predict the vulnerabilities that are going to be uh, causing uh, problems uh, for an organization being actually being able to really predict before a CVE is disclosed, is disclosed, I think it's going to be really important. Like log4j, we should have been able to say if this library is vulnerable, it's going to cause merry hell and actually have like a, a, an understanding of what that is. And actually being able to understand what you have deployed from software like SBOM, uh, you know, being able to have an SBOM of all of the third party libraries that are out there. And then um, really understanding you know, these emerging attack services. So like we disclosed that we're acquiring uh, Jeremiah's company, a bit discovery for the external side. You know, we bought OT um, in the last few years and you know, Active Directory and you know, Cloud. Like to me, it's about breadth of coverage as well. Like really understanding you know, in each of these different areas, like Cloud is massively different to OT. OT is hugely different to the external attack surface. And then, you know, like to me, like the thing that's really keeping me up at the moment, like getting my, uh, you know, my, uh, my brain spinning at the moment is like, how do we, how do we reimagine what pen testing means for the users of today? Like what's, what would Nessus Pro be, you know, from 20 years ago today? 
and it's really understanding like the end point and the user like gavin is a foolhardy person that will click any link that andy sends to him and he's never patched his system like that's the that, that's the thing that i have to care about so like how do i really understand gavin as a person you know to know that um he is going to click that link that andy sent him and uh, he is going to be vulnerable yeah it's amazing because like at the end of the day all this is about human dynamics right like there's an attacker on the other end of the other side of the attack right and and there's a victim on the other side and sometimes we lose sight of that well well gavin i really appreciate you taking the time tonight to come on the show with us thank you so much thank you very much all right folks it's time for us to bounce up on out of here don't forget to visit aliveshoes.com slash brand slash tf7 to get your own pair of task force 7 sneakers thanks for tuning in you're listening to task force 7 radio the voice of cybersecurity. stay frosty out there Thank you for tuning in this week to Task Force 7 Radio. To learn more about Task Force 7 Radio, please visit our website at taskforce7radio.com. Be sure to join your host, George Reedus, again next Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel.